0: This is Tom with the Full Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast, and today's episode features a couple more subscribers and their questions. By the way, uh, at the very end of the episode, I share a little update that I think you might enjoy. A client of mine was angry with me and then went and left a bad review on one of my accounts. Uh, It's an amusing story that I want to share. Let me first get into the questions. Our first questions are from Dmitry Smolyanitsky. Dmitry writes, I found your podcast through the link on reddit.com. So far, I only heard one podcast, definitely planning to listen more. I'm a photographer in Los Angeles area. I've been doing real estate photography for about two years now. That maybe sounds like a long time, but this is not my main form of income. I do have a day job and do the real estate photography part-time. I have a website and offer a full list of photography slash video services. My questions are as follows. Getting the clients. I tried email flyers, Google ads, and just about to try Facebook ads. When I send email flyers, I only get one or two clients, and most of them have small properties. I tried Google Ads for about four months. I get a lot of clicks, but not many actual calls. And out of those calls, I think I only got one job. This year was somewhat busy till about June. After June, I did not get any calls at all. I'm not sure if it's my prices or quality of work. I do think my prices have good quality. And I did not hear any complaints. Any ideas what I can do to get more work? next question. How do I get into video? I'm offering it as a service, but I've never done one. <laughs> if you have the time, please check out my website, www.stillimagephoto.com. Let me know your thoughts. End quote. Dimitri, thank you so much for the question, and I'm going to answer them in the order you ask them. As an aside, Dimitri mentions finding the podcast from a link on Reddit. Occasionally, I'll go through the real estate photography posts on Reddit, and I'll answer them as well as share links back to the podcast. Moving on. Dimitri, for your first question about prospecting for new clients, it's great that you're experimenting when you're trying to work exclusively off of internet leads, though. You will really need an amazing lead funnel. Internet leads tend to be the most difficult to work with and have the longest lead time for conversion. So if you're emailing flyers and trying out some advertisements online, you will need to have a very aggressive follow-up plan in place for each lead. And you will want to have a follow-up campaign that's set up for 12 months or more. You'll also want to include personal calls and text messages as a part of the marketing campaign. It's also normal to have hundreds and hundreds of clicks, but only one actual call. Usually your conversion rates from each step will see a pretty big fall off in numbers. For example, if you get a thousand clicks on your link that lead to maybe a hundred people putting in their email or their phone number for more info, it would make sense that you only got one paid job out of it. However, You can increase your conversion by taking each step in your funnel and making it perfect. You want every image, every sentence, and the overall user experience to be perfect. It has to look and feel like the most amazing thing anyone's ever seen. And then out of the thousand link clicks, you might end up with two or three paid jobs. But when you really refine your little ad funnel there, Your ad spend would also be less to get those leads because you're getting more engagement for less ad dollars on your beautiful advertisements. So you can certainly run a business off of internet leads. Just remember that it takes a lot of time and a lot, a lot of follow-up. You want to get as many phone numbers as possible and contact the leads yourself. It's going to be important for you to know what kind of leads that you're getting in the first place so you can better tailor your targeted audience and your content. And the same goes for your email flyers. See if you can entice agents to share their phone numbers or go out and buy a list of all the licensed real estate agents in your state and put them on an email campaign and a text message campaign. There's a lot of services out there that you can use. Personally, I'm using MailChimp and TextMagic, but you could probably find a cheaper service that's just as good. Putting a sign up that says that you're open for business is not enough on its own to get people to hire you. Posting an ad and sending some emails, that's the functional equivalent of you saying, hey, come hire me. And then just sitting there and waiting for the business to come to you. This can work, but as you've already experienced firsthand, it's not super effective. I would keep doing it, though. It's fine to keep building your website and setting up flyers. But you want to do that as a means of following up with your potential client, not as the only prospecting effort that you do. You don't want that to be the entire marketing plan itself. I highly, highly recommend doing office presentations. You can hear about that in other episodes, especially if you're already emailing all of the agents in an office. When you go to present, you can talk about how you have already been sending them information and then offer them an opportunity to bring up questions that they may have had at the time they saw your stuff. It's possible that some people have seen your flyers or your ad or your website even. Maybe they weren't sure if you were available or able to do a certain job and so they didn't call you. Remember that most real estate agents have a photographer or they know other agents that work with a photographer already. You'll have a much higher conversion rate when you can put a name and a face onto your business and build a relationship with your clients more directly Going out in person to meet agents as well as doing your email and your ad campaign will bring in a lot more action. You might also want to try doing physical mailers. For this, I would target higher producing real estate agents. Don't just throw mud at the wall. Make sure you're working with people that are actually going to bring you a lot of business when you get them. And then go ahead and put together a really beautiful portfolio book. Don't just print something out on your printer at home. I mean, have a book made of such a high quality that it looks like it should be sold at a bookstore or something. And then put it in those FedEx next day envelopes. You know what I'm talking about. It's the kind that you can get like stacks of them for free from FedEx. And then you can also put together a nice little handwritten note, or if your handwriting's not that great, like me, type something out, print it and sign it. You can include your flyer if you want to. Make sure that there's contact info or website info in one of the pages of the book. You take all that stuff, seal it up together in that next day air envelope, write the agent's name and address on it with a Sharpie, and then hand deliver it yourself to their office. The admin will put it right on the agent's desk or in their inbox, and you know they're going to open and read it. This is a trick I love to do all the time. You can get these envelopes. They catch people's eye because you know if it's a next day air envelope, somebody spent some money on it. Well, they're not going to know that. It's just a free thing. I mean, they would if they actually look for the postage and like, huh, where's the little printout on it? They're just going to see the envelope. They're going to see their name on it and they're going to open it and they're going to go through your stuff. Agents usually get next day air envelopes with like checks or important legal documents in them. And if it's a busy agent, a high producing agent, which is who we're talking about, this is guaranteed to get their attention. They're going to see it and they'll be like, oh my God, what is that? I have to open this up. I'd give the agent a call, a text, and an email a couple of days after to see if they got your package. And it's okay to kind of blast people with all those stuff. You send a text message and an email that basically say the same thing. Hey, this is so-and-so with such-and-such photography company checking that you got my package. In your text message, you say, I'm going to send an email too in case you don't get this. And in the email, you say, I'm going to send you a text message too in case you don't get this. And then you wait like an hour and then you call them. Once you get in touch with this person, Then you can ask what their thoughts were about your material, and if they had a listing that was coming up, that you'd be able to shoot for them. If they don't, you don't say, oh, okay, and then hang up the phone. What you do say is, that's great, then we should set up a time to meet for me to come by your office to present my services to you. I've got a lot of offerings, and I'd love to show you how I can make your listings look. But even after all of that work, they still say something like, well, we already have a photographer we're happy with. We're not looking for anybody else. Some people might say something like that. Then what you do is you don't say, oh, OK, fine. Sorry for wasting your time and hang up. You say, OK, well, I'd like to offer my services as a backup. Tell them you'll work holidays, weekends or, or whatever. If you don't, don't tell them that you do make sure that they know that you can be available for them if they need you. The current photographer is going to be on vacation at some point. He's going to be sick or she's going to be sick. They might be getting married soon. Like You don't know what's going on in their other photographer's life. I've had plenty of calls with people where they're like, yeah, no, we have this photographer. We've been working with him for 15 years. And for me, that's a good sign. It's like, okay, 15 years, who knows how long that guy's been in business before. He might be due for retirement soon. (laughs) Some of them are, or some of them move away. You know, anything can happen in life. Don't let someone telling you that they have a photographer already be a deterrent because oftentimes they do have a photographer. Most of them are going to, but you can provide your services as a backup. You know, hey, you can call me if you need me. And then when they do call you, and if they have a good experience, then they're probably going to keep calling you, right? A great attitude when you're interacting with agents and an even greater presentation, the photos you're using, your portfolio book, the you know, confidence in the way that you're talking to these agents is going to leave an impression. You're going to find that you will get more and more business by going out and making these personal impressions when you are running your own photography business, it is your responsibility to go out and find your clients. Once you have made a name for yourself, you'll soon find that you don't have to prospect all that much anymore. So many returning clients and referrals from current clients will just take up most of your time. However, until you're at that point and you're working like 50 or 60 hours a week just doing photo shoots, you should still put in as many hours if you can. And I know, Dimitri, in your case, you're doing this part-time, as, as many of your part-time hours as you can with prospecting. Spend half or more of your real estate photography work days, if it's all day or just part of the afternoon, perfecting your presentation and going out and contacting agents. And as far as your pricing goes, I would just check your prices against competitors in your area. If you're about average, you might want to think about keeping the prices where they are or raising them to net you a bit more cash per appointment since you're not super high volume at the moment. I would not consider lowering them, especially if you're average price in the market. Just remember, if someone could pay a little less money for the exact same quality of work, they will. You might want to toss in a couple freebies, add some new services that your competitors aren't doing if you're in that average price range. You could do something like a quick and easy little slideshow with music. Uh, You could do virtual tours, floor plans. And to address your second question, video. I've already gone into the subject of adding video at length in the last episode. I mean the one that was published immediately before this one please go ahead and check that one out. It's episode 36 for more details on getting into video and pricing and even a referral to an amazing online course that I've even bought for myself for my own business long before I even started this podcast. Overall, though, I think that video is worth getting into. I highly recommend it. It can be very lucrative. It can be very fun. Check out episode 36. The title is uh, E36 listener questions dash adding video to the business, working with staging companies and more. Okay, question three. Check out stillimagephoto.com and let me know your thoughts. That wasn't an actual question that he wrote, but I've titled it as a question in my little script. So that's what I'm going with. I did check it out and it looks okay. (laughs) I'm not really one to critique websites since... Most of my business I'm getting from presentations and referrals, I really only use junk websites to host my plugins, to do you know, listing sites, and to have a place where clients can go to book appointments. I do appreciate a good website when I see one, but if you were to look at mine, you wouldn't be too impressed. I'm not impressed when I look at it. People only go there to book appointments. I'm not too worried about it. For your situation, when you're trying to get bookings from new clients online, you would want to have a much higher level of attention to detail. Bearing in mind that my websites are not particularly amazing, (laughs) I'd say that your website looks fine to me. Could it be better? Certainly. If you want to drive traffic to your real estate photography site, you really need to treat it like a landing page or a sales page because that's what it is. You want it to be as simple as possible You want it to look perfect and beautiful, and you want it to work without any issues on all devices and all browsers. And I mean it. Go to the 100-year-old library computer to make sure it looks right on their little, what do they even use, Microsoft Edge or something. Uh, check it on your phone, check it on your desktop, ask friends to take a look at it, take a look at it on their phone. If you have an iPhone, find someone with an Android to look at it. You really want to make sure that anyone who finds your landing page from wherever, whatever ad or anything, that it looks good and it works good across all of these devices. That's super important. You're going to find that if you're keeping track of your analytics. And I haven't had to do this on my real estate photography site. I am involved in other businesses that we do use landing pages and sales funnels. And most people that are gonna follow like a social media ad are going to be on a mobile device of some sort. Vast majority of them are gonna be cell phones and you get some tablets. Whenever someone finds your landing page, you want it to be as simple as possible. Uh, So just keep, you know, tweaking the site away. There is a ton of information that you can find online on making better websites. It's only a short Google or YouTube search away. I would have to defer to other website experts for the best and most current advice. If you're really not confident in your own skills on like putting a website together, then you could probably set something up with Squarespace. I think it's like $300, something like that a year or whatever the monthly fee is. I'm not sure. I haven't had a Squarespace site in forever. It's a good idea to experiment, not just with your ads and your ad placement, but with the presentation of your website. And, you know, just off the top of my head, there were a couple things that I noticed, like it it seemed like you had uh, a few too many menus and the menu titles weren't clickable. So like you had a tab, I'll just give an example. I forget if there was a tab that said this on it, but just as an example, it was a tab that said like pricing and then you hover your mouse over it. There's a drop-down menu. It says like different kind of pricing things, but if you just clicked on the main one pricing, it doesn't take you anywhere. You had to go to one of the individual pages, something like that. Just from the user experience side, I would probably make the tab clickable. So you don't have to like hover over a menu and then select an item from there. Instinctively, I would want to have the fewest number of actual web pages as possible on your site so you don't have too high of a bounce rate. You're gonna find that if people have to click through a couple different steps, that your bounce rate is going to skyrocket after each click on your site. You want as much information to be like right up front. And on a photography website, it's all about the photography. So you'd want to make that very easy to see some of your portfolio images and then like pricing and booking in you know the same kind of spot. I think your gallery and your pricing pages are separate. You might want to find a way of mixing them together or just simply adding a uh, booking icon or button in the gallery or a gallery button in the pricing page so it's kind of easy to switch back and forth and that's just from personal experience on other sales pages where every single click that you add exponentially increases the bounce rate people will just close that window out if they have to search for something for more than like 10 seconds it's kind of it's kind of silly but you got to remember if someone saw this just at a passing glance on an ad and tapped on it at a whim or sometimes even accidentally on their phone, you want to grab their attention instantly. And on your site, I think it does a fine job. I mean, if I knew I wanted to book an appointment with you, it wouldn't be a problem. But if I had no idea who you were and I saw an ad pop up out of the blue of like a house and I thought, well, that house looks nice. This might be a good photographer. And then I clicked on it and then I had to like go through page after page to be like, where's the pricing? And if the pricing isn't super simple, that's another thing. You have a bunch of packages on, on your site. I would try and simplify that visually. You can keep all those packages, but I might make like the most popular one big and bold up front, like most popular package or best value for the whatever, and then have the other options underneath it, at maybe a smaller font. And like I said, keep tweaking away, make it better and better. Watch tutorials on how to improve your site based off of whatever system it's hosted on. Is it WordPress or some other type of site? Google articles about it. You can really learn a lot in a very short period of time. I would spend a little bit of time on making sure that every step in your sales funnel is perfect or as close to perfect as possible. Also, make sure you're gathering analytics. You want to know where people are bouncing off of the site from. If you have a thousand clicks on the website and then once they hit a certain web page, that's boom, they're gone. 99% bounce <laughs> because of one thing. You want to remove it or fix it. So the analytics are really important. And there's a lot of tutorials in setting that up as well. Getting like a, a pixel account and setting up your Google Analytics and putting the analytics code in your websites. Uh, It's a whole thing that people get college degrees based off of this marketing and and this kind of analytical stuff. So you could really dive deep on it just for the purposes of sprucing up your photography website and boosting conversion on your ads. It shouldn't take too much effort to make a pretty drastic improvement. It's just going to be a matter of putting the time in and studying and experimenting. Dimitri, I hope I've answered your questions satisfactorily. If you had a couple more questions that you wanted to hash out, let me know. Let's move on to another question. This is from Rex Singleton. Rex says, quote, Hi, Tom, I just found your podcast. Wow, so impressed. Not many real estate photographers are out there sharing information like you do. I run a real estate photo and portrait business in Baltimore, Maryland. I had a question about software and the CRM you use. You were recommending some systems on episode 32. My current setup is 17 Hats for scheduling invoicing. It shares to Google Calendar. I then set my photographer's appointments through Google Calendar. SmugMug for the image warehousing and client image delivery and Dropbox for editor and backup image delivery. I'm thinking about moving everything to Urban Immersive at urbanimmersive.com, U-R-B-A-N-I-M-M-E-R-S-I-V-E, urbanimmersive.com, which owns Tourbuzz, but I found it not to be intuitive and wanted to see if something is better out there before I migrate everything over. Do you have any referral links to give me? That way, if I sign up, you can get something. 17 Hats has a referral link I can send people. (laughs) Rex, thank you for your question. I'm glad that you're finding some value in the podcast. And let's see if I can't deliver a little more value for you here. Of the software that you're using, I'm familiar with only two of them. I've used 17 Hats in another business that has absolutely nothing to do with photography. And I've used Dropbox, of course. I've mentioned it on earlier episodes. And I have heard of SmugMug, but I never really got into it. I can't say I know too, too much about it. For my business lately, for our infrastructure here, I'm using a WordPress website, booking appointments with Calendly and Google Calendar. I talk about all of this in other episodes. I'm also using the Google G Suite that comes with Google Drive, Google Voice, and your own white-labeled email address, which is the same email address that I share on the podcast for anyone if they wanted to reach me. I'll be sharing that at the end after my little update I mentioned in the beginning. I'm collecting money and I'm invoicing via PayPal as well. I also have Zapier and MailChimp, My CRM is called Streak and it installs into your Gmail and it's completely free to use. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. I've tried so many CRMs and in the end, my favorite ones are the ones that are the most convenient for me to use. 17 Hats, I like the invoicing feature and I like the QuickBooks integration, which was handy. But as far as CRMs go, I need one that I can easily use every single day. And to be able to install Streak into my Gmail sealed the deal. I also tried out HubSpot. You can do the same thing, install it onto your Gmail. So far, Streak seems to be easier to use without needing to get into any of the paid features. This is just a big mashup of all these different softwares that I don't think a single one of them have a specific photography application. But to use them to solve certain business problems, they work for the way that I'm using them. As far as Urban Immersive goes, I'm not super familiar with these business in a box kind of software deals. I am going to be meeting with the creators of ARIO. That's A R Y E O on ARIO.com, A R Y E O.com. From what I saw at the Photography for Real Estate conference that just passed in Vegas, I was in attendance there, and it was great to meet a lot of the subscribers of the podcast as well. What I saw at the conference when I met with Aereo, it looked pretty good, and that actually might be the system that is going to convert me from using my Frankenstein's monster of software instead of just smushing a bunch of services together. I would love to just poured everything over to a really simple and cost effective solution. Because all these software as a service companies, they cost something. But for me, because I have all these different companies that I'm working with, I've got all these different invoices to work with them as well. Like I said, Streak is free, but G Suite is not. My Google Drive is not, not with the storage that I'm paying for. I'd love to be able to put everything into a simple cost effective solution. And on top of that, and this is a personal issue, (laughs) I'm having an issue with collecting invoices. I take the booking fees up front. I had an episode where I mentioned that, well, probably a few episodes I mentioned that already. But when there's a remaining balance on a photo shoot, I still have to chase people down to get them to pay the hundred or whatever more was left over. I'll have more to say on this at a later date. The most important thing when it comes to running your business is that you're able to stay on top of all of your tasks without letting anything slip through the cracks. It seems like in this situation, 17Hats, Smug Mug, and Dropbox, you've bootstrapped a nice little system together. And there's probably an infinite number of combinations of different apps and different software. So when it comes to making sure that you're using the best one or trying to improve your workflow as it is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive myself crazy trying to think of like the perfect solution, because even an urban immersive or an area is probably still not going to be the perfect solution for everybody. When you're looking into stuff like this, you really have to be conscious of your time. Are you using right now a system that is helping you stay on top of all of the things that you need to do to run your business? If the answer is yes, then take a breath. Don't worry about taking your time and researching potential upgrades. If you're not sure about what other options are out there for you, take your time and get sure. If you find that the system that you have right now is way too inefficient or you've woefully outgrown a system that maybe it was perfect when you're at, say, half your current volume, well, now you're kind of in trouble. Uh, I mean, you can jump ship and you can just start start subscribing to all of the apps that I just recommended, or if you wanted some one-on-one coaching or consulting on how to make this all happen without you losing clients or your mind, reach out to me and we can set up a call. For everybody else, it can really seem overwhelming when you consider all of your options, but overwhelm is a normal feeling. If you find that you have the kind of personality that is constantly thinking about how you need to upgrade something or worrying about not having the best, most efficient workflow, what you need to do is to take a step back and make some remarks on your status quo. Look at your situation. Try and step back and mentally act as if you were some outsider looking in. Ask yourself, is everything going relatively smoothly? doesn't need to be perfect, by far, it doesn't need to be perfect, but relatively smoothly. And if it is, it's okay if you don't have your hands on the perfect software solution. This can turn into like the gear acquisition syndrome, right? Where you always want to look at the next biggest, most expensive, most awesomest camera or tripod or the newest little tripod head oh my God, it's seven grams lighter than the last one, an extra $400. Well, you could spend all this time getting all worked up and being like, oh, I've got to get this new thing because it's going to improve my workflow. Same thing can happen with software. You can say, oh my God, I got to switch over to this other new software, or maybe it's not new, it's been around for a while, but it's new to you. Or you've known about it and you're thinking about it and you're like, I got to just dive into it. If what you have is working okay now and you know you need to improve it, don't feel pressured like you have to buy into something unless you really are 100% certain because as much as of a pain in the butt it is to deal with an inefficient system now, it's going to be even more of a pain if you have to switch over and then you realize you hate it and then you got to switch back to something else or God forbid back to the thing you started with and then you've just completely wasted your time. I've had to do that a, <laughs> a couple times and it's awful. You do not want to have to multiple times in a row download and export all your CRM data, all your email info, all your orders, and all your your spreadsheets, and then upload them into a new thing, set up all the accounts, put it all together. It's so annoying. Imagine having to do that twice in the same month or year. It's going to be an unnecessary waste of time. It's okay if you don't have your hands right now on the perfect software solution, as long as the system that you have is good enough and is working. You know you want to improve it, so it's okay if we take our time to figure out what direction we wanna move in here. And like I've already alluded to, you know there probably isn't even a perfect software solution. It's probably not even possible. There is gonna be the one that's gonna get you by, and if you're just starting out, you might not really need to even spend money at all to get started. You could make a gmail.com email for free and start using Google Drive for however many gigabytes the free one comes with until you have to start paying. When your business is just starting, you don't need to necessarily buy into these softwares and start spending money right away. I'm a huge proponent of making money before I spend it. The last thing I want to hear people say is, oh, I'm saving up to buy something, or I can't wait till I can afford this. If you're at a place in life where you're earmarking money you don't even have for consumption, you need to really reevaluate your priorities. You want to make money before you spend it <laughs> if you want your business to succeed. And as soon as you make money, if you don't have a lot of it, you still should try to not spend it. Now, you're going to have to spend some money no matter what you do. But if you're just starting out and you're basically broke or your business is broke, don't worry too much about the software stuff. It's good to get educated and you know, maybe watch some YouTube videos on it, maybe read some blog posts, Listen to some podcast episodes about it. Just get familiarized with the territory, but you don't have to buy into it right away. When your business is starting to take on a life of its own, you're going to want to use these services for the sole purpose of maintaining a high level and a high quality of customer experience and to help you keep track of everything that you're responsible for. You can approach this slowly. Or, you know, you can rush in and grab whatever shiny object meets your gaze first. But at the end of the day, the software that you're going to use must meet the most basic criteria of making your job easier to do. So I've shared what I'm using, like I said, and I'll be checking out Ario soon. As far as Urban Immersive goes, uh, I took a look at it and I wasn't sold on it right off the bat. I can't explain it, but Something about it just wasn't really compelling me to take my time and research it deeper. I mean, I'm going to check it out. I'm probably going to reach out to them and get a demo, perhaps have even someone from Urban Immersive on the podcast one of these days. So we can get some more info. Until then, I don't want to say too much more. I can't stand behind whether they're really going to work great it's going to be the ultimate solution, it's going to solve all these problems or not, or it could potentially solve a lot of problems that I'm conscious of right now. But in the use of that, it might create some new problems that I'd never had to deal with before. So until I have more of an opinion of them, that's all I can share right now. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, let's spend a little time on the CRM. If you haven't ever heard of this before, or you're not sure what I'm talking about, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. It's another kind of software that helps you track your relationships with your customers. So we mentioned 17 Hats earlier. 17 Hats has a CRM built into it. And there's other companies that offer other CRMs with varying levels of sophistication. For example, Salesforce has by far the most levels of customization and flexibility and complexity that I have ever seen. The Salesforce CRM integrates with all of their other applications, and it's also ludicrously expensive. Then the cheapest and the most simple type of CRM would be a simple spreadsheet that you could make and use on your computer or in the cloud, like a Google Sheet or an Excel doc. CRM is a way of storing and managing information, in this case, information about your customers. What do you do with your CRM? You keep your contact records. You keep notes on your client. You use it for follow-up reminders. Some CRMs can also automatically email clients or automatically prompt you to reach out to people. Some have analytics built in that can track customer engagement, among other things. The CRM that I've been using for the last couple of years is Streak, like I mentioned. You can find them at streak.com, S-T-R-E-A-K.com. I like Streak because like I said earlier, it's free and it has most of the features that I actually need in a CRM. You add it as an extension on your browser. I'm using Google Chrome as my browser, but I'm using all Apple products. I don't use the um, Apple Safari. I'm using Google Chrome. And then you log into your account or you create one with Streak. You install it in your browser and then you log into it within Gmail. And Streak lives in your Gmail account. Like I've mentioned many times before, I, I use Gmail and G Suite. Uh, so the integration between Streak and Gmail is just great. If you don't use Gmail, you could probably find an equivalent to this or the functional equivalent of what I'm about to talk to. So don't feel like if you're not using Gmail, then you know, the world's over. Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to use a CRM. You will, but just not in this way. When you're using Streak, you just log into your email like you usually would after you set it up and install it. And then the Streak plugin is just there it's just integrated with your gmail it's in your inbox basically the user experience is really simple it's just like going through and checking your email but it's as if you had like a spreadsheet function among a ton of other functions right inside of gmail you don't have to go to another tab or open up another page it's all right there and you know the visual representation of this is actually pretty neat so if you're hearing me describe it and you're like ah, what is it even going to look like Just jump online, just Google it, YouTube it, you'll find some stuff on Streak and you'll see what I'm talking about. Everyone who I interact with via email gets saved as a contact or a record in the CRM. Streak calls them boxes. And with Streak, I can also get tracking on my email. Whenever I send an email, I can see if and when and sometimes where the email was opened. If I'm trying to get in touch with an agent and somebody I really want to do business with, or maybe I've done business with them already, I'm just trying to get some feedback on something. I can check the analytics to see, okay, they opened it six times, but they're in Aruba, probably on vacation. I'll get back to them next week. Or you can tell, well, wait a minute, this has not been opened at all. I should check that I misspell the email address somehow, or am I just contacting the wrong person? That's how you'll know that, okay, I need to call this person to see what's going on. Have they not gotten my email? I usually don't call someone and say, hey, I'm tracking my emails. I didn't see you've opened it yet. I don't want to creep anybody out. This analytics is just for me to make sure I'm running my business properly. I don't need to necessarily tell that to people. But I do say, wondering if you saw the message. I sent it out a little while ago. I didn't hear anything back. Wanted to check in and make sure everything's okay. The response to that is generally going to be really positive. You can also do mass email messages to hundreds and hundreds of email addresses all at once with the same email tracking feature applied. And this is an email that you're sending from Gmail. So it's already white labeled. You don't have the issue of if you're using like a really cheap and lousy email marketing client, not like a MailChimp, but you know, the same kind of principles as, as like a MailChimp. Sometimes the emails aren't really white labeled. And by white labeled I mean It doesn't look like they're actually coming from a person when they're received on the other end. It looks like they're spam messages or they're coming from like an unsecure server. So they just immediately get filtered into spam and nobody ever gets them. When you're sending messages from email, if the email address is correct, the person is getting it and it's going into their inbox. I can also use Streak to set up follow-up reminders for people or for tasks. If I talk with an agent who's going to be traveling for a few weeks, but then they ask me, hey, uh, can you give me a call back once I return, whatever the date is, and you know we can talk about getting a photo shoot done on a new listing. Well, I put in a follow-up reminder for whatever that date is. And on the day, I get my follow-up reminder that says, hey, you got to reach out to so-and-so. They're back from vacation. And I'm like, oh, yeah. If I ever need to refresh my memory on the conversation, I just open the box on Streak. I can see all my call activity and my notes a lot of that stuff is not automatically put in. So I'll manually just take a couple quick notes on a phone call or whatever. When you have hundreds and hundreds of clients and you're still able to look these notes up and remember exactly what our last conversation was and what the tone of it was, I also take note of that too. Was the person rude? Were they happy? Were they angry? Were they in a rush and they didn't want to talk to me? How did their voice sound? Did they sound like they were happy to talk to me? I'll take notes on like their emotional state when I get on the phone with them because then the next time I call them, if it's totally different or if it's the same, I'll be starting to think like, okay, what's going on here? I'll ask them like, hey, is everything okay? Last time I called you, seemed like you were a little distracted and you still seem distracted now. Is Did I get you at a bad time? Should I call back later? Or sometimes you'll have people say like, no, actually, you know, my father's in the hospital and my mind is going crazy. It's hard for me to keep track of everything. And then you know, okay, well, this person's not being a jerk to me. They're dealing with their own stuff in their life. So it's a reminder, follow up with them in a few weeks or a month or two months or whatever it may be. So many times you can have these interactions with people. You will internalize their behavior. You'll interpret it as negative, And then you'll be like, oh, screw that guy. He's not being nice to me. He used to be nice, but now he's mean. I don't know what's going on with, with this person. Well, if you're kind of keeping track of what's happening and you're, really aware of your relationship with this client and, and how your interactions have been going, you can ask those questions and know with certainty how your business relationship with them is going or where it's going. You might call someone on an off day. They might be a great client, but the first time or couple times you call them, there might be something crazy going on in their life. Take a note of it. Give them some breathing room and then call them back another time or email them back or whatever another time. If you have someone who's continuously really difficult to work with and then you're looking at the notes when you're getting ready to call this person or you see an email from them, you open the box, you look at the notes, you're like, ugh, do I really want to keep working with this client? Well, (laughs) if they're consistently negative and difficult to work with, the answer is going to be no. But it can sometimes be easy for you to tell yourself, well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, if you're taking notes, you'll notice, yeah, it actually is that bad. Or, you know, most often it's good to just keep track of those things. I'll even uh, I'll save people's birthdays. When I get their birthdays, I'll just save it in my calendar. I'll just do little things like that. And I'm doing it with my CRM. I'm keeping track of all this information. And when people call me, I can just pull it right up on the computer or if you know, I'm driving or whatever, I'll tell them, hey, I don't have it. I'm driving. Let me call you back. I'll get in front of my computer and I've got everything in front of me, all the notes that I've taken. With Streak, I can also create things called pipelines. This is where you set up various stages for your leads. It's what helps you to keep better track of them. For example, I've got a stage for cold prospect, and then the next stage, warm prospect. Next stage, current client. Next stage, has a photographer. Next stage, not interested and I move these people through the stages as I need to. I just kind of drag and drop the box, the little contact record with all my notes and everything. And you know, as I'm updating their notes and everything, I can kind of see how long has this person been a cold prospect? How long have they been in that stage? How long has this person been warm prospect? But you know, if they've been a warm prospect for 180 days, why aren't they current clients? And then I can check up the notes and see but helps you know what people you really need to stay on top of. And then as you get those people that are like F you to your calls and your emails, they're like, never call me again. I hate you. Well, they go in the not interested stage. And who knows? I still might try and reach out to them at some point in the future. Maybe I'll wait a couple of years until they forget about me. And then I'll try reaching out again. You can also create tags for your contacts and you can tag them as necessary. Just to give you an example of one tag that I use, it's called deadbeat. That's the actual text of the tag. Clients that I tag as deadbeats are clients that take six months or more to pay invoices or people who have outright refused to pay invoices. This way I know when I'm putting together like a mass emailing campaign or I'm doing some new promotion, I know to take them off of those lists to make sure they're not actually getting my promotional deals or anything like that. The only thing that deadbeats are getting are invoice reminders. Streak also works with Zapier. I use Zapier, and I've mentioned this before, that I use it to connect my apps wherever possible. And without this turning into like a full-blown Zapier tutorial, this is the gist of what happens when a new client books with me. As soon as the new appointment comes in, Zapier will check this person's name and email to see if they're already saved in my Google Contacts. If it is, it uses that contact info going forward. If this person is new, they're not already in Google Contacts, it generates a new contact card or a new contact record and adds a note, like contact added when they booked a photo shoot on August 4th or something like that. So what this does is it updates in my phone instantly. I'm using an iPhone, but I have Google Contacts set as my default. If that person ever calls me or texts me or whatever, their caller ID pops up and I can pick up an answer with a, hey, Bill, or whatever their name is. And it adds like a degree of friendliness, I think. It also helps that I can't really remember people's names really well, no matter how hard I try. So nowadays, I don't even try. If you saw me at the Photography for Real Estate conference, I didn't get to do this with everybody, but for people that I was talking with for more than like 10 or 15 minutes, I was like, hey, what's your number? I'll text them. I said, what's your full name? I'll text them their full name. This is my full name. And then I'll pull out the phone and I'll take a selfie with me and that person together. And I don't tell them I'm going to do this. I just pull the phone out, take a selfie, and then I text it to them. And usually what I say, I say pretty much the same thing every time. I just say, here, now you'll never forget me. But really, I'm saying that to me, <laughs> for myself, a couple people listening to this is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And that photo, that selfie is your contact photo on my phone from now on. So now every time I have any kind of interaction with you or that, whoever that person is, I see their face, their full name, and you know whatever the information is it helps me to fill in that gap that my brain naturally creates of putting the name and the face together. Anybody can call me, a client from 10 years ago can call me. And I'm like, hey, Joan, hey, I, oh my God, we haven't talked in 10 years. And they'll say, oh yeah, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, that's right. Hey, how's your kids doing? Wasn't your daughter just graduating from college? Because remember, I'm taking notes on all that stuff people love it. People love it. And they really feel like they're important because they are important. You know, This is important information for these people. You remember all the details about your life because your life is important to you. When you're talking to someone and they remember all the details of your life as well, you're like, wow, this person also finds my life to be important to them. And I'm going to like this person and appreciate their attention to detail and remembering this information and stuff. I don't naturally do that, so I have to write it out. Some people just have magic brains, and they can remember all that stuff off the top of their head, but I use Streak to remember this kind of information for me. Zapier, <laughs> it takes the Google contact that it creates, and I just explain why I do that every single time. Always create a new contact and add notes. Then it takes the contact, and it checks Streak it looks to see if there's already a box within Streak with that person's email, not their name. A lot of people's names can be similar. I just haven't checked the email. I only wanna have one box per email. If there's not one there already, it makes one. And if there is, it takes it and it moves on to the next step which is to add a follow-up reminder for that contact. So we have the calendar event for my photographer and I have a note to call the agent and ask how the photo shoot went at the estimated end time of the appointment. This happens for each and every single photo shoot. So then what I can do is I can reach out to these clients and update my notes and streak with comments about the photographer, about the listing, or if they wanted to add something like virtual staging. It's a great opportunity for an upsell. If you're on location doing this, you don't necessarily, you're not gonna need a follow-up reminder, but you could just remember before I leave, I need to have this conversation because you do want to be upselling. Business is business. And a business that makes more money is more successful than a business that makes less money. So if you have the opportunity to upsell someone, not by just separating people from their money, just because you want to have their money and you don't want them to have their money, it's because you want to provide more value and you want to be a better business and a better service. And of course, you're going to be paid for that. So you want to have other value ads like virtual staging that you could potentially upsell on or drone photography is a great one. It's easy to get people with that when you show up at a house and you're like, wow, this really needs it. I mean, it's only a few extra dollars, whatever the price is. You sure you don't want to do it? And then they'll be like, oh, okay, 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 I guess. People that are kind of resistant to the upsell, I always point out, like, you know. Even if this one photo that I'm talking about taking, it's going to cost you a few dollars extra. Even if that one photo doesn't make a difference in selling the house, just think of what your sellers are going to say when they see that. They're going to love this. They're going to think that you're going above and beyond to get this job done. They're going to love you. And you can give that photo to them. You know, you could order a print from me. I can print this for you. And they can frame it and put it on their wall too. Like, this is going to be just great. They're going to call you for referrals until the day they die. And then, you know, you can get people like that. If you don't like to talk like that, some people feel like it's kind of pushy. Personally, I don't feel like it's pushy because I'm asking someone if they want something and it's their decision to make. And if they say no, then I'm like, okay, fine. You don't want it. Then I'm going to find someone that does want it. So you don't have to try and force people to buy stuff, but you can offer it. Offering something could also be considered an upsell. You don't have to be pushy or salesy. Back to Zapier. After I contact someone, when I get my follow-up reminders and, you know, I have my little conversation with them, I can add another follow-up reminder if I need to. I can update my note from the call or I can just, you know, check it off as done, close the box in streak and move on to the next task. That's another thing you can do in streak is you can do a search by like the tasks that are outstanding and then you can just knock them all out one after another. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to remember the names and all the photo shoots and everything. If you had 50 photo shoots last week and you want to make 50 phone calls to all these clients to make sure that everything went well, why would you bother trying to rack your brain trying to remember all this information? David Allen, author of Getting Things Done, is a brilliant, brilliant productivity coach. Uh, He wrote the book called Getting Things Done. It's not a paid promotion whatsoever. I'm just a huge fan of the book. Actually, I have a funny story about... (laughs) about the Getting Things Done book, but maybe that's for another time. He said, and I truly believe this, that your brain is a decision-making machine, but it is not a filing cabinet. There's no point in trying to bog yourself down and remember every little detail about everything when you can use technology, these kinds of software, like we're talking about, to make your life so much easier. I'd rather go throughout the day with a clear head, all my information in my pocket on my phone, Then trying to remember everything, constantly aware of all the other things that I'm forgetting, aware that I've forgotten them, but not aware of what the information is. And then being under all that stress of like, God, what was that person's name? Who did I have to call? Wasn't so-and-so going to send me in a check? Did I give them the right address? Like you shouldn't have to remember all this, this kind of information. You should have it right there. And then you set follow up dates onto the next task. If you need to, if you need to touch this contact again, update something, just to double-check something, whatever. Don't store that in your head. Put it in your CRM. So it can do that kind of useless, well, not useless. So it can do that kind of information management for you. With all of this happening, to just expand a little bit on what Zapier is doing for me, it also updates my MailChimp account. Because some people can book phone consultations or meetings with me in Calendly, that are not photo shoots Zapier sends the photo shoots down a specific path that I just described right Google contact streak box setting up the follow up reminders and everything and it sends all the non photo shoot appointments down another path that puts them on a prospects list in Mailchimp if I book a phone call with a potential client and I get their email they are going into the prospects list and if that same person with that same email books a photo shoot online at some later point wherever whenever it may be zapier will pull the email from the prospect list and then move it onto the current clients list so only the right people are getting the right kinds of emails does that make sense I'm going to market to someone who has never worked with me before a little bit differently to then someone who has. People that have worked with me before, I'm going to be just following up and touching base with them. People that haven't worked with me before, I'm going to try and entice them with like special offers or one-time deals or whatever. All of these tasks that I just went through, they're handled automatically and for the most part, Instantly. And this is the Streak, Zapier, and Calendly combo. It's been super useful to my business. I'm able to stay on top of just about all the little tasks, like updating contacts, notes, making sure that I'm still able to reach out to clients and check in with them. And then, you know, those follow-up reminders to make sure that every single day I'm contacting these clients of mine, a two-minute long post-photo-shoot phone call from all those Streak reminders has saved me hours and hours of headaches. I can't even begin to count the problems that that solved for me. How many clients do you have that after you send the photos over, they make comments like, oh, I thought you were going to add fire to the fireplace. Or can you Photoshop out the magnets and photos and things in the fridge? (laughs) You know, the weird little requests you can sometimes get. I don't like the color of the ceiling. Could you make it more white (laughs) Well, I make sure to ask those questions before I even send everything out to the editor. So we don't even have to go back and make those little tweaks to the photo shoot. It saves us time. Get on the call. Hey, how did the photo shoot go? How was the photographer? Was he on time? How was this presentation? Did he show up in like baggy jeans and smelling like weed? Or was he put together and look nice, smell nice? was a professional demeanor and, and then oh yeah wow he's great he's great he's great and then okay great was there anything that you wanted us to know about the photo shoot before we send it into the editor was there something that you wanted to have done that was kind of special for this job in particular and then oh well, I don't know I don't know and then usually I'll get comments from my uh, from my photographer while he's on site he'll be like hey you know the house is vacant um, we might want to this might be a good virtual staging client and then you know I'll look at those text messages I'll call the client and be like hey you know seems like this property is a little empty, huh? Have you ever thought about virtual staging? It's a lot cheaper than regular staging. makes the property look great. You can get some upsells out of it, and then you can get those little comments like, oh, yeah, actually, the house was this, and then it looked kind of weird. This thing wasn't ready. Is there a way for you to edit that or change it or, or whatever? So I can just send those notes to the editor when he starts editing. We don't have to go through the entire edit, deliver the files to the client, and then crack the archive open again a couple days later or whatever to fix or change or add some stupid little thing that we could have taken care of at the beginning. Just that alone, calling a client, if you're not personally there yourself for each photo shoot, it saves a lot of just so much time. It also makes sure that I've got my finger on the pulse of this business and any dissatisfied clients, they're addressed right away instead of letting too much time pass or worst case have them just leave and hire someone else which actually to do a little tease the very end of this episode i'm going to bring up a little update about specifically an issue with a dissatisfied client that i thought it was kind of amusing if you hear it you might feel a little frustrated that that person did that but you know we'll get into it when, when the time comes <laughs> nothing gets me down like a stupid mistake that we could have easily prevented that could possibly lead to a client working with someone else firing me and then hiring some competitor because of something that didn't even need to happen that really that really grinds my gears <laughs> if you're using gmail and you're not using a crm get streak the email tracking feature alone is worth money but they give it to you for nothing it's definitely worth it the other features are super super useful too it takes some time to learn It will take some time to learn. It's not going to be like two minutes and you're rocking and rolling, um, but it will be time well invested. Rex, that's a brief overview of the system that I'm using. I, I hope that's the information you're looking for. If not, let me know and we can have a little sidebar discussion if we wanted to expand on any of these things. Those are the questions for today's episode. And like I just said, I got some updates for everyone. I think you're going to like it. The first update, it's about an angry client. That's the one that I mentioned a few times. Okay, this is a client who left a one-star review on my book in Amazon. That's right. A dissatisfied real estate photography client has gone out of her way to post a one-star negative review on the full-time real estate photographer book. <laughs> and I would like to share the review here. The public name on this review is Nikki B., I, of course, know exactly who this client was, but I'm not going to share anything more than what she shared in her public review. That was the name. on the, Anybody can look this up. She writes, quote, we hired Tom to take professional photos of newly developed homes for sale. He was paid in full before we received all the images and virtual tours on a flash drive. Make sure you get everything you paid for before paying Tom or you'll never get it. End quote. and with that scathing review, a big fat one out of five stars. So I actually replied to this review. I commented on it, and I thought that the comment would be public as well, but I think it was sent to her first, maybe. I'm not exactly sure. I've never been in this situation before, Uh, but hopefully it'll be approved and whatever and be public for anybody to see, but this was my reply. Quote, Hi, Nikki." This is a listing for a book. It is not a business listing. However, for the photo shoot that you are referring to, all the files were delivered electronically via Google Drive, as we do for hundreds of clients every year. You are referring to a thumb drive that was not requested until after the work had been delivered electronically. Loading and mailing a thumb drive is not a usual service that we offer and was done as a special courtesy, but it was sent over, although not in a timely manner for sure. As a friendly reminder, this review was posted on a book listing, not on a business listing. Not to seem arrogant or argumentative, I'd like to point out that electronic delivery is indeed delivery. Your competence with technology is not our responsibility, but we do offer video tutorials that shows how to click on the download button with Google Drive. And if you would refer to your email thread that shared your links to your files, there are typed instructions as well as links to watch the less than two-minute walkthrough. In spite of this information, we still went out of our way to make and send a USB thumb drive after it was requested, and thanks to an unfortunately confusing email instruction, the first thumb drive mail didn't actually have all of the files that were desired. This led to another, longer exchange for another thumb drive to be mailed out. Again, this was all done as a personal favor and entirely at our expense. I would also like to point out that your last comment is also inaccurate. Even though we do not offer physical delivery of media formally, it was indeed received. So in fact, all of the material finally delivered was even more than what was paid for. For anyone else who finds this comment, please also note that this specific complaint was an issue of a client's Mysterious unwillingness or an inability to click on quote, download, end quote, following the Google Drive links that were shared with text and video instructions very soon after the photo shoot, which has led to a business complaint being posted on a book review. The comment has nothing to do with the book at all, but appears to merely be an attempt at ad hominem. Unfortunately, some clients will blame the photographer for their own issues which is an important lesson that you can learn more about in chapter nine, page 224 of the book, where we discuss client interaction slash management. There's also a full episode in the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer podcast on dealing with tech-challenged clients, end quote. (laughs) So what do we think of that response? Honestly, I was hoping that it would be a public comment so you could all see how I feel is the best approach to dealing with haters. Uh, However, I've shared it here with you now. Indeed, this was a client that caused some trouble, and the full story is very long and boring, but I think my reply summed the issue up nicely. They, the files were delivered. We deliver it that way hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times every single year. And in this one case, they were like, we want a thumb drive. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go buy one and send one to you then, I guess. I don't normally do this, but just to help you out, I'll do it. And then they sent these weird emails back and forth the client was like having a real tough time with their technology. Finally, they sent a message that was like just the virtual staging. Okay, I sent the thumb drive over with virtually staged images on it. And they're like, No, 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 we wanted all of them. So okay, great. Meanwhile, they had the photos this entire time. So I don't understand why they are insisting that they never got any files until after I had been paid. Uh, I don't think that they actually believe that I had been on the phone with them and emails with them back and forth many times about like, accessing your files. Here are your links. Like I've said in other episodes, I use a boilerplate email when I send out the links to the files and the links to the video tutorials. If you're not super comfortable with clicking download, sometimes no matter how hard you try, some people are still going to be unhappy. That's no excuse to not always try your best and to keep a good attitude. If you've ever had to deal with a client who is so mad at you for whatever reason that they have to go out of their way to try and make you look bad, the best thing that you can do is laugh at their immature behavior and just focus your attention on the good clients. I will probably never be able to make that particular client ever change her opinion of me. I could probably see her walking down the street, Then this is a hypothetical example, but I could probably see her walking down the street about to be hit by a runaway truck. I could run up and tackle her off to the side, saving her life, and then she would just get up from her near-death experience and curse my name, probably blaming me for the truck coming at her too. (laughs) That's okay. There are how many people in the world? It doesn't matter if a couple of them don't like me. The important lesson is that you always need to do your best and to maintain a positive attitude. I wanted to share that with everyone so you know, like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows over here. And I've mentioned problem clients before. It's just the nature of the business. When you're dealing with hundreds of different people, you're dealing with hundreds of different personalities, not all of them are going to mesh very well with your own. You're going to meet with people that are otherwise great, outstanding citizens. And they're just going to hate your guts. (laughs) There's nothing you can do about it. Don't take it personally and act like it's the end of the world. Don't internalize it. I know it's tough to not do that. You know, I have a tough time when I see stuff like that initially. You got to just find a good way to cope with it. For me, I just focus on the people that I know, like, and trust me and that want to work with me. I just give them some attention. Or if I'm really feeling low, I will actually call someone that I'm close with and just have a pleasant conversation, not even bring up the negative thing that just happened. Just have a pleasant conversation about whatever. I'm sure we all have someone in our lives that we know that we could just call them up and have a fun, happy little talk about some stupid thing. And then you come out of a feeling a little bit better. That negative experience is farther in the past, and it's just easier to move on with. I hope that that was a helpful little lesson for everyone. On that note, I would also like to welcome any purchasers of the book to leave an honest review. I know that most of us don't bother to do it, but positive reviews really do help with sales. I know that one of the first things I look at when I'm buying anything online is to scroll down and look at the reviews. So many thanks for any positive feedback that you might leave on the podcast itself and on the book. More positive reviews helps the content reach more people. So if you have found this information helpful at any point, pay it forward and leave a review that'll help someone else make the decision to buy the book or to even listen to the podcast. I'll leave a link to the book in the description, but you can find it easily enough by searching the full-time real estate photographer or my name, Thomas Vargiletis. V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. Although if you only search my name, you'll see my other books too. Only one of them is based on photography. The other two are also business books, but in different genres. That said, if you find this information to be of use, but you need something more, I also offer real estate photography business coaching. It's where you and I spend some time each week to make you and your business better that can mean different things for different people. Do you want to have more personal time to spend with friends and family? Or how about just some more time so you can go out and spend all that money you're making finally? Uh, Speaking of cash, do you have an overhead problem or a revenue problem? Both? (laughs) We can work on that too. There are so many little things that you can do for your business in the short and the long term that can make massive impacts on your quality of life and the success of your business. There are big moves that you can make too, but everyone's situation is different. If you want the customized solution for your business and to work with me step by step while you reach those goals and take your business to the next level, go ahead and reach out. The first phone call is always free. Let's set up a call and I can show you what I can do for you. If you're interested in coaching or simply have some more questions that you'd like to have answered, perhaps on a future podcast episode, you can find me on Instagram at Tom Vargeletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S, or you can email me at tom at Dimitri, Rex, thank you so much for your questions. And to you, dear listener, (laughs) I look forward to seeing those five-star reviews and even more questions. Thank you.